cast more. I'm still very proud of the vote I cast for Dwight Eisenhower. I'm certainly not Dwight Eisenhower, but you want to cast a vote that you be proud of tomorrow and next year and 10 years and 20 years and 30 years from now. The proudest vote that I ever cast was for Bob Dole. And the next proudest was for George H.W. Bush. I was proud of them both. I've always considered myself very lucky to have had these two men be the leaders of my party when I was a young man. Welcome to a very special edition of Bridging the Political Gap. It's Memorial Day in the United States of America. And back in 2012, I had the opportunity, uh, I was running for Congress, and a gentleman named Sinclair Swan asked me to come speak to our Coastal Grand Strand Patriotic Alliance. It is a group of the military retirees that, that uh, live here in the Myrtle Beach, Horry County area, uh, that that commemorates Memorial Day and Veterans Day and Flag Day every year. And in a passing conversation, uh, he asked me if I would be willing to give a speech on Memorial Day in 2012, and I jumped at the opportunity. And I still consider it arguably the highlight of my time in, in public office uh, because this was a group that I really admired. And it gave me a chance to speak about two people that I genuinely admired. Bob Dole, who was the uh, presidential candidate in 1996 when I was 25, 26 years old, and I worked on his campaign here in South Carolina uh, when he was in the Republican primary. And it, truly, the, I can't think of anybody that I admire more than, than Bob Dole. And uh, the, the few times that I got to be around him in 1996 have stayed with me. And as I have said repeatedly, even at the beginning of this clip, uh, they were the proudest vote that I ever cast was for Bob Dolan. As he was talking about Dwight Eisenhower, you'll be proud of it 20 and 30 and 40 years down the road. Well, it's been uh, 1996 is, you know, 20, 25 years ago. Um, and it's still the proudest vote that I ever cast. That and, of course, I admire George H.W. Bush a great deal. Two World War II veterans who set that standard in leadership. And so I got a chance to give this speech. And I also got to talk about my Uncle J.B. Crowley who if you listen to an episode we did a while back about my mother, I talked about my Uncle JB, and I've got a picture of my Uncle JB getting an award that I've had in every room I've ever had in my entire life. Uh, he was a larger-than-life figure in our family. Uh, he he uh, was a World War II tail gunner, had one of the hardest jobs. But when he wanted to go and enlist after when the, during the war, uh, my aunt, uh, my Aunt Lib, took him in. He was an orphan along with my grandmother and my Aunt Lib took him in and she didn't think they'd take him because he had had an infection in his arm and lost one of his bone, a bone in his arm. And he, So she said, sure, you want to go? Just go on. Just thinking that he wouldn't get in and lo and behold, they took him in. So he ends up going and fighting in World War II. He also stayed in the military about 20 years um, and his name is on the World War II uh, the, the tribute to wars uh, a stat. Uh, Memorial that's in Hartsville in Darlington County. He's one of the Darlington County veterans of World War II, uh, and his, his name is on that plaque. And my Aunt Betty, who just passed away last year, one of the most delightful people, uh, uh, 
you know, they were, they just were, he adored her. They, they love at first sight. He met her at Ruth's Drive-In in Hartsville, which is still there. So he, I went and talked to her, then went down and looked at the memorial. And I still have some stuff like I talk about, the flashlight that you used to squeeze to, to you could hear him. And he used to try to be entertaining to a little kid. You know, he'd tell me he was all in these jungles. But he was still in pretty tough sledding in Romania. There just don't any jungles there. But um, he was uh, just a great guy. So this speech is special to me because I got to talk about a hero of mine politically and a hero to my entire family, my Uncle J.B. Crowley, um, who was my grandmother's brother. So I hope you'll enjoy this. This, this speech also has former Mayor John Rhodes, who had originally agreed to be a guest on this podcast, but passed away of COVID in January. He will introduce me at the beginning of this. So it's a, it's a trifecta of important people in my life. Uh, Bob Dole, a hero, Uncle JB, a hero, and John Rhodes, a hero too, and a man who, um, who, who was a tremendous help to me when he became mayor. And we served together for 12 years. We knew each other for years before that. He was a friend of my parents. And so John was a, uh, just an important figure in my life too. So it's neat to hear his voice again. So I hope you'll enjoy this speech. I hope it hits the moment. It's from Memorial Day 2012 at the Grand Strand Patriotic Alliance um, in commemoration of Memorial Day here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Thank you, St. Clair. I want to welcome all of you to today's memorial services, especially our veterans. As we honor those who gave us the opportunity to have freedom, the opportunity to have choice, the opportunity to live in a free world. And for us to always remember, never ever will we ever allow a foreign nation step foot on our soil to tell us what to do and how to do it. Thank you for all the things that you've done, as I say, the service you've given, especially those that are not with us today. Enjoy yourselves and have a great memorial day. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mayor. It is with great pleasure I present our guest speaker for the Memorial Day Address from the City Council, Myrtle Beach, Mr. Randall Wallace. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, let me first say thank you to Mr. Sinclair Swan and the Grand Strand Patriotic Alliance for uh, inviting me here to speak with you today. It's a, it's a true honor and uh, one that I've tried in the years that I've been on city council to come to this event every year. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's an honor to be up here uh, speaking with you today and having a chance to honor our veterans. 1996 was perhaps the best year of my entire life. It was the year that I graduated from college and moved back home here to Myrtle Beach. But it was also a year that I had a chance, an opportunity to work on a campaign for a man that I truly admired, perhaps more than any other political figure uh, in, my, in my lifetime. It was the year that I got to volunteer for Bob Dole's campaign for President of the United States. The proudest vote that I ever cast in my lifetime was for Bob Dole. When you put away the politics of the time, he had what had to be one of the most extraordinary lives uh, that we've seen. He was, I thought, a symbol the sacrifice that our American veterans have made and what they can and have achieved 
throughout the history of our country. He went to war at a 190-pound athlete that was good at both track and field and basketball. But his life changed forever in April of 1945 while they were trying to take a hill in Italy. His radio man, a guy named Corporal Sims, was down and Bob Dole went out under fire to get him. After pulling him what he thought was to safety, he felt a sting in his right arm. He had been shot and he would lose the use of that right arm. He would lose his right kidney. He'd be paralyzed for a year, spend 49 months in a hospital, and end up having in all nine surgeries to try to give him the use of his arm at some level. Somehow he overcame all that. As an observer who, who never served in the military, I was kind of an outsider looking in during that campaign. But you could see the very special bond that he had with our servicemen and women and that they had with him, especially the disabled. I never will forget uh, the opportunity that I had to go with him in the Greenville Christmas Parade in December of 1995. It was then that Governor Carol Campbell was late and held the, we ended up having to hold the parade for about 30 minutes. Bob Dole kind of disappeared. He walked away from the TV cameras that were there to cover him, the VIPs that were there with him, and, the, and all the other politicians to go over and talk to a group of people in wheelchairs. They were there in a special section at the front of the parade road, and they were the members of the disabled American veterans. I learned more about kindness and thoughtfulness during those events that I got to travel with him here in 1996 than anything that I've done in my lifetime. And I also learned more about the effects and the lifelong sacrifices that our veterans have had to make and endure for all of us. Things like watching him have to have help to put his sports coat on, having to have help to get his tie straightened so it looked right, or all the moves that he would make to keep people from trying to shake his right hand. Probably a lot of you who remember him remember he used to carry a pen around with him all the time. Those were just little things that some of us take for granted that I imagine that many of you, the veterans of all the different wars that we've had, know all too well. Those memories kind of came back to me while I was preparing for this speech and had gone over to see, a, to see the wars memorial, the wars of the 20th century memorial in, in Hartsville, South Carolina. I went over there because I wanted to see the place that, uh, a plaque that was honoring my great uncle, John B. Crowley. He was a World War II veteran and a POW who served 20 years in the military and also fought in Korea and trained soldiers for Vietnam. He was, in our family, a larger-than-life figure, and he had more energy than any 10 people I've ever known. I was honored when he gave me, as a little boy, his backpack with his sergeant's pen on it. An army flashlight that he used to say he, he snuck around with, but it was one of those crank flashlights some of you probably remember from the 40s and it made way too much noise for him to be sneaking around with. But he also gave me a picture that he had, had gotten an award with that's hung in every room that I've ever had since I was a little boy, through the dorm rooms and college and now in my home here in Myrtle Beach. And it struck me standing there at that war memorial that these were two very different men. One who ran for president and served in the United States Senate and another who retired and sold furniture at Togar's store in Hartsville, South Carolina. But each touched the lives of the people that they came across in a profound ways. And each lived their lives, I think, in memory of those that they knew had lost their lives for freedom. And they had a real understanding of the fleeting nature of and value of human life. And looking at the list on that monument in Hartsville, it's amazing just how many times our country has called our young men and women 
uh, into harm's way. And what a huge price has been paid for the life we enjoy and often take for granted. We called on our young men in the 1940s to fight Hitler's Germany and Imperial Japan. We called on them again to stop the communist aggression in North Korea, spreading into South Korea, and perhaps even beyond that. Often the soldiers who fought in Korea uh, are forgotten, because they refer to that as the Forgotten War. But it was one that had high stakes, and, and those soldiers need to be remembered and, and, and honored for their service. And if you ever go to Washington, D.C., there is an absolutely beautiful memorial there for the Korean war soldiers. There is, I believe, a special place in my heart, and I believe in the hearts of most Americans, for the veterans of Vietnam. If you remember to the shadows of the 1950s, when then Vice President Nixon was in a kitchen in Moscow with Premier Khrushchev, and Khrushchev said to him, one day your grandchildren will live in communism. And Vice President Nixon told him, no, one day your grandchildren will live in freedom. And I remember seeing an interview with President Nixon many years later after he was retired, and he said, at the time, I knew he was wrong. What I didn't know was whether we were right. I've always believed in the assessment that Lady Bird Johnson said, that when the final history of Vietnam is written, it'll be said that it was those 10 years that we fought in Vietnam that stopped the high tide of communism. We held the line there, and from the day that war ended back, the communist uh, march that had been going on since the 1940s stopped, and they receded into history all around the world, and today are only in three countries. The, the service that those folks made in Vietnam was very heroic, and you deserve your, your, your nation's gratitude for what you did there, and I hope that you know that. We called on our soldiers again to handle bullies in Lebanon where our Marines were killed in their sleep. We had to go again to Grenada and to Panama to remove a dictator. We went to Kuwait and Somalia. And we stopped a brutal regime that had gassed their own people in Iraq. Today we fight against religious extremism who export terror around the world and terrorize their own people, especially women in Afghanistan. I believe we're starting to see the results and we're seeing victory in Afghanistan. We're fighting an enemy now that hides in various places. They know no borders. It's an organization that hides in the, in the dark like cowards. Our troops, I believe, have sacrificed many with their lives to protect us from the evils of the rest of the world. Each generation of Americans when called upon have answered that call with bravery and steadfast determination. We as citizens need to show our appreciation for what they've done by holding our political leaders accountable to live up to the promises we have made. That is truly how, what I believe is how you honor those of you who sacrificed for our country and those that did not get to come home. As a civilian and a citizen, I believe that we are all both proud and thankful to all of you who served and all of those who died for the service of our country. Collectively, through the years, our soldiers have fought back fascism, communism, and now terrorism, and any and all other threats that our nation has faced. It's like Bob Dole used to point out on the campaign trail in 1996. We should never be reluctant about our nation's greatness or ashamed of our national strength. And our nation, national strength, I believe, comes from our veterans. Like many of you who are here today, and the people that we remember on this day, Memorial Day, those who fought and died for our country, that's what this holiday is about, not barbecues and motorcycles. Young men like Martin Treptile, 
President Ronald Reagan talked about in his 1981 inaugural address. He left his job in a small barber shop in 1917 to fight in France with the famous Rainbow Division. He was killed by carrying a message between battalions under fire. And today he is buried at Arlington National Cemetery. It was on his body that they found a diary, and in it he wrote the words that I think stand out for why we are the greatest country in the world. It said simply, America must win this war. Therefore, I will work, I will save, I will sacrifice, I will endure. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the outcome of the whole struggle depended on me alone. It's that mindset that each generation of Americans have gone into every battle that we've asked them to go. And it's the reason that we've, we've won them and that we are that shining city on a hill that Ronald Reagan always talked about. That great symbol of hope that the rest of the world looks to. Thank you so much to all of you who have served and all those folks who did not come home. We owe you a debt of gratitude that we can never repay. And I hope that you know how, how much we appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me, and I appreciate it. Thank you.